The music business, in many ways, mirrors a high school cafeteria. I've used this analogy before. For a lot of people, going through high school at such an impressionable age, whether they realized it or not, created the blueprint for how they would socially interact with people for the rest of their lives. No more is it played out to the hilt than in the egomaniacal, infantile world of the music industry. The cliques, the in-crowds, the posturing, it all rests on creating conflict, basking in friction, solidifying divisive lines, and erecting walls on top of them. I sheepishly admit culpability when it comes to playing into this made-up schism, but only to level the playing field. Hard rock music, the music I've staked my entire life on, is now, in 2015, no longer in vogue. Despite its popular beginnings, it's become outsider music, slipping underground a good 15 years ago without the slightest indication of an upswing. That's fine. I've come to accept it. In fact, I revel in its square peg designation. But admittedly, a tinge of jealousy mixed with a bit of confusion is how I often feel watching softer musics get paraded, praised, and ultimately promoted to represent and define the spirit of today's music. It makes me bark back at double the volume in order to make up for what I see as an unfair chasm. It wouldn't bother me so much, but its newly attained status has somehow allowed its followers to adopt a smugness that I don't see in fans of other musics. For myself, playing in the band that I do, I'm fully aware that I've been super glued to the idea of embodying some sort of one-dimensional rocker character, unable to appreciate anything that isn't set within the narrow-minded confines of what others think rock is supposed to represent. I am also very aware of the importance of balance. In order for bands like Converge, The Stooges, Godflesh, to have any severe audible impact, they must be offset by listening to a certain amount of disparate music and vice versa. Neil Young's Tonight is the Night sounds 10 times more poignant after a weekend of nonstop death metal, trust me. Offsetting my penchant for all things heavy with softer music listening keeps my chakras aligned and over the course of time has made me genuinely appreciate it. When I publicly rail against the endless vaunting of soft music, it's only an attempt to square up both sides of the fence when I see other, harder music comparatively play to the sound of crickets. With the proliferation of soft music in the last 10 years, I've noticed a lot of novice members of its flock skittish when it comes to music listening, preferring to complacently stay within its boundaries. While I find myself praising Eric Cheneau records or listening rapturously to the new Deers record, I don't see it conversely happening. But when you look at indie rock's principal players, heavy listening is a compulsory staple of their diet. Whether it's David Pajot's Dead Child, Jay Mascus's Witch, or Brendan Canning's obsession with Blind Vengeance, I challenge indie and hard rockers alike to come close to recording a groove as deep as Harry Nilsson's Jump Into the Fire. While alternately, Stephen Von Till and Scott Kelly of Neurosis put out solo records that can sit alongside any Elliott Smith or Bill Callahan record. This is lost on neophyte indie rockers. Ron Sexsmith is a singer-songwriter 
whose appreciation and love of many musics has had a direct effect on the great depth and emotion found in his songs. Ron is the great comforter, with the ability to quickly become a soothing voice to the listener. It's what keeps me returning to his albums when I need to hear someone sing to me with a graceful yet self-assured tone every time my surroundings get a little too intense and chaotic. I never leave home without at least half a dozen of his albums to accompany me on my journey. But my fandom pales when compared to JC and our band's love for Ron's music. When we had our first website back in, I believe, 1998, JC made sure there was a link to Ron Sexsmith online. He wanted to be on this podcast, but unfortunately couldn't make it. The chance to hang with Ron Sexsmith for a few hours was something he wouldn't so easily give up. Well, count JC in a long list of public admirers, everyone from Paul McCartney, Elvis Costello, Elton John, Steve Earle, and Sheryl Crow, to those like Rod Stewart, Feist, Katie Lang, and Michael Bublé, who have actually covered his songs. He is considered by many to be the consummate singer-songwriter. You won't get any argument here. He is the standard. I measure other artists in the genre too, and why I'm so critical when they think they come near to Ron, but really have a million miles yet to go. A month back, Ron stopped by to hang with Nick Flanagan and I. We had a great time. He's a great hang, so enjoy. I want to say a hearty thanks to all the people I've noticed who have left a Facebook comment or a tweet about this podcast online. If you like what you hear, and if you could, please leave a comment or a rating on iTunes. It's all I really ask because it helps the podcast's profile online. Um, so far, there's been a lot who have, so I appreciate it. Either way, I'm really just glad you're listening. Thanks to Blue Mic Microphones for the Yeti mics and to Skull Candy Headphones for their Aviator headphones, Ron Sexsmith is this episode's guest on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. They play the Guinness Danko School Hotel for free. I'm so glad I like to sometimes. Login protocol initiated. Sequencing algorithm interface. The official Danko Jones podcast uploaded. Listen with caution. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. The Danko Jones podcast is simply superb. Splendidly fine. Wonderfully wild. Very divine. We were started the conversation talking about Motorhead and how they have such a consistent sound and yeah. you know to some degree you can relate you know you have you have a very well your your voice anchors your sound yeah um, but one thing you do do differently is all the different producers that yeah. you get that I get I guess gives you that different spin like Mitchell Froom and obviously the Bob Rock Bob thing Rock album, yeah. your new album which is coming out in February uh, now it's been moved to March but yeah I did it with a guy named Jim Scott in California who's um, he's mostly known as an engineer you know but he's like engineered like a lot of big records like he did mm -hmm. a lot of the Tom Petty stuff and um, you know he's a secret producer yeah like Foo Fighters and all these people like that but he um, I had a bunch of 
I had like three things fall through. I was starting to wonder, like, what is wrong? You know, I, I was supposed to, I, for a moment, I was going to do it with Tony Visconti, which would have been really cool, right? Whoa. But we were talking, and he was seemed really into it. And I don't know if he didn't like the songs or what, but he they got back to us saying they didn't feel he was the right producer. So then I was kind of all bummed out about that. Mm -hmm. And then, when, then I was going to do it with Bob again, Bob Rock, because that, that last album that I did with him actually did something, you know, especially mm -hmm. in the UK. We had two top ten songs, and that's uh, never been, uh, you know, the case, right? We did Royal Albert Hall. Um, but we had a falling out kind of over, you know, the airbrushing of the... I, I'm not a fan of the airbrushing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on that record, I really loved working with Bob, and but I have a hard time listening to that album now because I don't like all the auto-tune and all that. And all I did, I just asked him, is there any way we can do something that didn't have all that stuff? And yeah. he kind of took it the wrong way, and... Uh, so anyway, then we uh, then I was going to do it with Don Was, which I was excited about. Oh my God! Yeah, well, and that's then, amazing too. And then yeah. that and that looked like it was on. And then uh, he called me one day at home and just said he felt really burnt out. He was doing a Neil Diamond record, and, <laughs> and he said for the first time in his career he didn't have any he didn't have any ideas. Yeah. He was just kind of and then his uh, mojo. Yeah, but he actually recommended um, Jim Scott to me because they Jim was an engineer for Don on a lot of records and. And Kevin Hearn worked with Jim, and so anyway, uh, he turned out to be just the right guy, you know. Um, did I was that the was that the question? <laughs> no, but it was interesting yeah. to hear. How, I think there, I don't know if there was a question. I feel like you just yeah. like I was just making a statement that a lot yeah. of producers. Oh, but but the thing is, yeah, it's true. Like I'm not a producer, so for me, that's been able. That's is what give, has given the records their whatever their personal character or whatever you know because even the but you know even the first three i did with mitchell and chad they're all quite different from each other because you know we uh, we would try you know we what where are we gonna go this time you know like the third album were with horns and strings and woodwinds and the second mm -hmm. one was more of a kind of sort of a folky thing when the first one the, the, the one that kind of brought my name out there was very kind of sparse you know and it was like my voice up here and everything was kind of low down there yeah so even when i work with the same producer we try to do something different each time yeah i feel so out of touch with the scene now mm -hmm. i don't even sometimes when people ask me like mm -hmm. oh you're from toronto you know you what, what tell us about the scene <laughs> yeah. i feel so embarrassed yeah. that i i don't I, know too I, much as I, much as i used to I, I feel the same way you know i mean i at one point you know i was when I, in the, when I first moved here, I, w I was part of a certain scene. I was like this open stage songwriter thing that Bobby Wiseman, all those kind of people. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel really um, that a, a t like I'm a part of it, really. You know, I feel like I'm sort of the old dude. You know, I'm, I go to the commie and, you know, I see these people there. They, oh, they must be in a band or something. But I don't know who they are, right? <laughs> Nobody's but, in a band. <laughs> but Toronto is... <laughs> is them aren't. <laughs> Toronto is no, has, has now carved out... Mm -hmm. Uh, a name for itself in yeah. contemporary music today as being like, mm -hmm. you know, with broken social scene and Leslie Feist, like for you know, like, like you know who never gets the credit though I feel is Jose, Jose you know, yeah. because he's the original broken social scene right like Brandon Feist they all passed through the school of Jose All know? Hail Discordia oh, yeah, is exactly. one of the top ten yeah. top yeah. ten Canadian albums I mean I of think it's time. amazing what Kevin and Brendan did because they actually created this. Well, there wasn't anything before, and then they created this band that had so many offshoots from it. You know, yeah. and Apostle Hustle and the Metric, even all that, uh, Stars, you know. So I think that's pretty impressive. But I, when that came along, I was like, you know, I was just, 
again, I'm on the outskirts of that, whatever that scene is. You know, I know all those people. But, but you uh, do, what I was going to, leading up to yeah. was, do you find that all these, like, sort of, quote-unquote, leaders of yeah. this indie rock thing, do you get the respect that I think you deserve from oh, them? Wow. Or do you go, oh, <laughs> or do you feel like you get a vibe going, oh, who's that guy? Uh, <laughs> I don't think, everyone's been really nice. I don't know if it's... Re- re- I don't know if I, anyone deserves respect or anything. But I just feel, you know, I've been... I feel that you do. If you walk into a club yeah. and, no, you know... are nice. You people, Kevin Drew has always been really nice. And obviously, he just did a... One of my best friends is Andy Kim, you know. And Kevin just produced an album for him, which is pretty far out. You know, it's it's like... It's so far from Sugar Sugar, you know. It's this whole new... It's like Andy in this weird, nightmarish world, you know. And, and it's... And I just really respect Kevin for doing it, because... You know, I've tried to book tours with Andy, and people are like, "Why do you want to do that for?" You know, because he's he's great. You know, and he, you know, I mean, he he hung out with Nilsson and Lennon, all these kind of. You know, Brian yeah. Wilson calls him. You know, I mean, I just love Andy, but but I think it's really cool that that uh, I think they are like you know, Kevin has been, and all those guys have been very. I don't know if it's respect or whatever, but there's just been. Uh, there's support there. You I'm, know? All, I'm yeah. all about the respect. Yeah, yeah. How much do you do you guys spend playing Canada? Well, that's bucks. the that's the thing. Because you, you is, do is a lot of don't... European stuff, right? Yeah, we'll we'll play you know Toronto once a year. Right. And... That's the same with me though. I can't yeah. play more than once a year in Toronto, or no one will come. You know. Yeah. And, Which is uh, crazy. But th- that's what happens, I think, in your hometown. Like I I even yeah. heard that about Van Morrison recently. He'll you know he has a hard time playing Ireland because he's just played there so much. You know. Yeah. So, but. Um, and you know, you know, someone like Leslie had to go to Europe to make it, yeah, right? Yeah, because she definitely. wasn't being appreciated no. here. You know? I mean, the first our first European tour yeah. was a skid tour, you know, just yeah. how it was. Nobody knew who we were. Mm-hmm. We started to get become recognized at the end of that first tour, which is insane. Mm-hmm. Our first time we were ever in Berlin, we played a place called Wild at Heart, which is a small little club. It's still there. And uh Leslie Feist came. Nice. With uh Peaches. And oh, it was nice. just so nice to see Mm-hmm. People from Toronto come to the gig. Do you guys get to, to um, Japan and those places as well? We Australia? played there once, right. and we've played Australia twice. Yeah, but I really keep. There's. I a, always thought you guys would probably totally go over in those places too. You know? That's that's. I I paraphrase what you just said in the first yeah. paragraph of my email I send out to everyone oh. every six months about <laughs> Japan? Question mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they treat you really well over there. Right? Definitely, been there a fair amount of times. Well, we used to go there every record for years. Oh, cool! It's amazing. And yeah. then, and then, um, and then there was there's this long period of time where we didn't go. But then the last three years, like we we've, we've done Fuji twice, and we've done. We did Fuji in 04. Yeah, and that's a great <laughs> festival because, like, it's so... everyone You don't get any sort of yobs, you know, causing trouble. Right. It's very mellow, and everyone's really, really friendly. But, um, so we've started making our way back there. And we did, um... They have they always have these uh, thing where there's there's a club that like used to be called Club Quattro and there'd be one in every city so you just go play all the oh, and now wow. now there's a place called Billboard Live and so when the last time we were there we went to, we did two nights in Billboard Live Tokyo which is just kind of like a it feels like dinner theater it's like really great production and no lights and right. and then we went to Osaka and did the Billboard Live there. And but it's awesome because you're in the same town for a few days, you yeah. know, and all your equipment's still set up, and you just go and they and they, they always have this 
crazy feast for you too, right? Of you know, they, they know how to make everything, you know. I've heard about Everything this. tastes good in Japan, you know. Yeah. Some vegetable that you hate here, they make it taste amazing. <laughs> Isn't that weird? How do they do that? They have some other know? food and it's just, it's yeah. chopped. And it's yeah. like chopped one way, it's chopped the other way. And you're like, cool, this yeah. changes I, it. I was so happy. I was so happy to be in Japan when we went for Fuji Rock. Yeah. Um, that I was watching, we were on stage and it was... Uh, Sugar Ray played before us. You know how these oh, festivals. Oh, like, I just want to fly. But yeah, that, yeah. And I mean, I'm not the biggest Sugar Ray fan. Yeah. But you could swear I was. Yeah. If you saw me side stage watching them, because <laughs> yeah. I was just so happy to be there. Yeah. I was singing along to all the hits and. The, 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 you must like that song, Mean Machine. That's right up your alley, right? Why? Because it's their heavy song. It's their. Heavy, it sounds like what, what Daco Jones' dream. <laughs> 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 Only in your wildest dreams. The, the, first, the first time we were there, Neil Young was the headliner. Oh, wow. amazing! And so we went. We we did our set, and then we went and watched. We got to go on the side stage and watch him. Oh, amazing! It was, it was really great and it was like one of those really, I think it was a crazy horse too, you know they were just rocking out and, mm -hmm. and then I look over to my left and um, Patty Smith is beside me and she's like you know rocking out oh right? my god and which so is my was, favorite thing about Patty Smith is that yeah. she's an unabashed she, music fan she, yeah. like she worships you well know, the people she worships she really worships yeah. like the Dylan Lurie all those people yeah. she just you know Neil Young remember her cream reviews you like, yeah. they were literally yeah, yeah. I did. I did go off on Patty Smith on stage a couple of years ago. Why? Why? Because uh, we were playing this festival, and she was playing the same day, or maybe she played the day before. Yeah. And someone told me backstage, asked me if they could take photographs. Yeah. Uh, while we were on stage, and I go, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, sure. And he goes, well, I just wanted to ask because Patty Smith. Yeah. Said no photographs allowed. Yeah. So I just. Took a mental note of that, and when we were on stage uh -huh. after the first three songs, which is the general rule, yeah. all the photographers started to parade out mm -hmm. and leave. And I, I called, I stopped. I think I stopped the song, or yeah. I just said, "Hey, come back. This isn't Patty Smith." And uh, right, right. so I, I, I used her as a. As <laughs> Did a she way. hear that? Or I don't. I'm a. I'm. Yeah. Who am I to her? I'm yeah. just some maggot. She'd probably give a zero out of ten <laughs> review to in Brain Magazine. You don't think you'd get the run-on sentence? I remember. <laughs> 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 I did a tour years ago opening for Sarah McLaughlin. It was one of these shed tours that she was doing before Lilith Fair, whatever, all that. Oh, stuff. okay, okay. But I was doing this tour, and it was, and, you know, it was one of my first tours of America opening for her. And that's and amazing. She, and she, well, yeah, I mean, she was really nice, but she was. We used to play hacky sack, our old crew backstage, and and I had just happened during my set. I'd said she she plays a mean game, in fact, hacky sack. But somehow it got back to her that I'd said she was mean. Or something oh. like this, right? And so there was this whole drama where she had to, I had to go see her in her dressing room. And I was like, what is this all about? Anyway, but she was really, she was really, I thought I was going to get kicked Christ. off the tour or something. But she was, all, she was really, really sweet. And, um, you know, the whole little affair thing was always a bit of a thorn in my side because at that period in the 90s, if you were a female songwriter, you had it made. But I couldn't get uh, arrested in the 90s. Right. I was trying to, I even offered to wear it. Address, you know, and just to do the her little affair thing, you know. But, um, would, how about she, probably she actually considered got you arrested. A, a moment, you know? Lilith and Steve, <laughs> yeah. Lilith and Steve affair, <laughs> Lilith affair, 
featuring Ron Sexton. Yeah. <laughs> Featured. <laughs> well, I, I think I would take okay. most offense it is, it to is. the fact that you guys were playing Hacky Sack, <laughs> which is... I'd never even heard of it before, but but I was... Uh, she's a bit of a tomboy, you know, so she was just like to- totally flying with the, oh my God, her that, feet were everywhere. It's going to get back to her now that you called her a boy. <laughs> tomboy. <laughs> tomboy. That's cool. Well, she's from the East Coast, right? So yeah. she's, you know... She's, is she from the East Coast? Oh, yeah. Oh, so that's she's, nice. Ron, Ron Sexsmith thinks Sarah McLaughlin's a boy. <laughs> a mean boy. A mean boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. I mean, it, it's weird. Like those those things like Low Fair. I think they're so really good, really necessary, you know. And then there's this other thing where it, it happens in comedy too. Sometimes yeah. where it's it's if you're a talented woman or uh, you know uh, you you wind up with uh, a lot of encouragement just because of the lack of encouragement that would be the default you know right and then you have the other side of it which is uh is there any way like soft-spoken humble-ish people can maybe get there you know can there be a festival for them or maybe a cable channel for them or but i always felt that my whole career i've never been able to like I was never a part of any scene, and, mm-hmm. and not that maybe that's a good thing, but I used to always feel left out. Like you know, everyone all you know, poor me or whatever. But but like when I first came out in the early '90s, I was kind of one of the first songwriters at that time to kind of come out with this guitar after the '80s and sing without irony and without you know what I mean. I was sort of a th- bit of a throwback, right. right? And then like even people like Ryan Adams and Elliot Smith hadn't really come out yet. They were in their bands or whatever, yeah. you know. And and um, and then a few just a few short years later they were all over the place. Mm-hmm. It was like Rufus, Ryan and 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 they and I I didn't have that sort of thing like Elliot had that extra cool factor he was a you know the heroine and stuff and rufus was really flamboyant or ryan was very good at you know he'd have he have temper tantrums and he'd have a cigarette dangling in front of an old typewriter or something you know i mean i couldn't do that i didn't know how to do that stuff so i always felt i was never really it was never really cool to be a fan of my stuff the way it was cool to be a fan of some of these other people as a comedian the one scene that i do see see you part of is when you go on your comedy death rays or you sort of step into the, the, the that world because they always have those kinds of uh, like singer songwriters very often on the well, on I, did com- I did comedy bang bang once. yeah that's yeah. I called it comedy death you were on comedy bang bang, bang? Yeah, yeah but I didn't know what it was I was in LA and I was so mad I was kind of mad I was with my manager I go why am I doing that what is this thing anyway and I, I now it's, it's big right? now it's, but I had no idea I yeah. didn't know what it was and I get there and it was all done in a small little probably like smaller than this like this yeah. little Kind of, it felt like a somebody's like apartment or something. Yeah. And I was on there, and I recognized one of the comedians that was on from uh, those roasts, you know? Yeah. J- uh, Jeffrey, Nor- Jeffrey, Jeffrey Ross. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Ross. Ross. so funny. <laughs> on that. And, there was, <laughs> Jeffrey Ross. and there was another girl who, who, who <laughs> whole thing was she was imitating Sarah Silverman the whole episode. Oh, yeah. Know? It's not. Uh, Aubrey Plaza yeah. also does a yeah. Sarah Silverman impression, but this was not Aubrey. I heard that episode yeah. because I was excited that you were on But it. I felt I was out of my element, you know? But, um,. But I, you know, I do. I have a Twitter page where I just do puns all the time. Well, I was going to get to that. (laughs) I'm bringing two punnists together (laughs) here. I just wrote a pun down. I saw that both of you guys tweeted puns, (laughs) and I was going to like 
put them against each other so to see well, who today wins. I didn't have a very good one, but but it's like every maybe twentieth one is okay. Oh, I understand yeah, this. And then you know. it's like every uh, uh, nineteen of them you lose followers. <laughs> yeah. And then the twentieth one. I get. I like it because some more. people get so mad. It's like, oh come on, or they're like, uh, mm. stick to your day job or whatever. People um, actually say that. To well, you? sometimes they'll they'll be it's like, terrible. I will tell you right now, those I, people are from Toronto. That is the attitude but I think, of people I here. I think most <laughs> of them are kind of doing it in a funny way. It's hard to read the you know, but. Um, um, in a funny way. And the other day, um, but hilariously also, disrespectful. I, do, but I also do, you know, I have a video channel where I do cover songs. I do yeah. like other things with it, but it's cool. But for me, like I always like, I, I'm a big fan of Bob Hope and Jack Benny, that kind of humor. So, for, so for me, it's mostly dad jokes, you know. And I and I just uh, just stuff that I would have been torturing my band with. And now I have an outlet of. Yeah. Can I tell you the joke I wrote today? Yes. Go ahead. Let's go. I wrote uh, RHCP. Mm-hmm. Are giving away their new album for flea on iTunes. Ah, for flea. Yes, right. <laughs> you just had the pun <laughs> reaction. Ah, <laughs> you know, I was trying to. Get, yeah, I was trying to get a, a pun with the word flea in it recently. I've had a couple. But it was like have to you know have to flee on foot kind of deal. But I had never I couldn't get the setup right, so I just passed. But it. Uh, yours was something to do with jazz hands. Well, it, it wasn't really a pun because not all pun, some of them are puns and others are just kind of stupid things. Yeah, like, I, I, yeah, it was just sort of um, yeah. I've never ended a show with jazz hands, but I have loaded out with stage hands or something. It was right. like something stupid like that. Yeah, I think know. we should follow each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm there. I tend to follow everybody, you know. I'm I do a, too. I feel really nervous. If yeah. I see someone with thousands yeah. of followers, I'll, I'll follow well, them. The, Days later, I'll notice they unfollowed me because their trick is they get thousands of followers yeah. by following people and then unfollowing everyone. Right. Don't fall into the trap. Well, I, I, uh, I've been trying. Like, so I didn't want anything to do with Twitter and my, uh, when I put on my last album. The guy in the U.S. label guy said, "You know, it would be really helpful if you got on even once a week, and just said, you know." And I'm like, "What am I supposed to say?" You know, and I was like, "So, so I got on there. I don't have a phone, right? So it's all on my laptop, Twitter." Right. And then I, the first person I tweeted was um, was Beth Orton, who I I used to know from the '90s, right? And I hadn't heard from her in years. And I remember, you know, there was a time where I used to see her quite a bit. And I was, I just thought. I, I just I, I remember I was sitting with the tech guy from the label. I go, so I can tweet her right now. He goes, yeah, go ahead. And I'm like, hi, Beth. <laughs> Within less than five minutes, it was like, hey, dude, how are you? And I was like, oh my god, Beth. You know, I hadn't heard from her in so long. That is yeah. a nice thing. And for me, that was the cool thing originally that you could, wow. And I've connected with some of my like Jimmy Webb, songwriters, people that I love. That or hey, I'm t- and Cat Stevens was tweeting me the other night. No like, way. Yeah, you know, um, but what's uh, Engelbert Humperdinck? You know, because no I, way. Well, I sing a duet with him on his new record. You know? No. Yeah. How? Okay, wait. Stop yeah. the presses. Yeah. How did that happen? Oh, well, um, it's not that interesting of a story, but Martin Treffi produced a bunch of my records in England. He's a Swedish producer, but he did like retrieve a couple of my records. He was producing Engelbert's new duets album with like, and it's like everybody's on there, like Elton John, Dionne Warwick, Smokey Robinson, all this stuff, right? The usual suspect. And so Eng- Engelbert was saying to Martin, he goes, "You know, it'd be nice to have one Christmas song on here because it's coming out in the fall, fall or whatever." And I had written a Christmas song with Martin. A few years ago, that was just collecting dust. We wrote it for a Coke commercial. They asked us if we had a, and they almost used it too. They asked the Coke people sent me a, co- a commercial with our song in it, and they <laughs> awesome. went, they used someone else's. Right. And so it was just sitting there collecting dust, and Martin played it for him, and he really liked it. So they just they re-recorded it. And when I was in England uh, touring a couple years ago, I went in and sang my part, 
And then about a year later, he sang his part, added a children's choir, and now it's on the on the record. Oh, that's so I never amazing. got to meet him or anything. But but since Still. then, we've been become Twitter buddies. Amazing! You know? That and, is incredible. And, and I'm a was, huge Humperdinck fan. When I was a kid, I knew every. I, my mom was a big fan, and she had the um, well the the last Waltz album, and I knew every song on that record like. I would sing, you know, sing with a hairbrush in the mirror, the whole record, you know. So, so I was, and that's probably been the thing that she's been most excited about. In my yeah, whole yeah, career, that's know? how it usually is. Yeah, yeah. Humperdinck is, I think, someone who uh, gets looked over, yeah. glossed over when it comes to like the cooler guys, like you mentioned Neil Diamond yeah. before, yeah. and and uh, who was the other one? Um, Tom Jones, Johnny Cash. Yeah. Not that Johnny Cash and and Neil Diamond are, but you know what I mean. Like yeah, these yeah. older guys who suddenly get the new scrubbing from the cool hip the producer cool yeah, and then yeah. yeah and they get but Humperdinck has never really gotten that when you think about Engelbert there's this great photo of him with Hendrix and Cat Stevens on tour in the 60s <laughs> you know and Engelbert was the headliner you know and because um, he had the he, he beat the Beatles out of the charts with uh, Please Release Me or whatever you know you see that photo of them and this looks like whoa what is going on here like three from completely different worlds mm. all three of them um, but I, I respect any of those guys I, I love Anyone that, I mean, he had a great voice. and He had an I, amazing voice. You know, and man. I think of that time period, you had people like Scott Walker, who I really love, was, uh, you know, we had the Walker Brothers. And Scott Walker has sort of since become this really, he makes these really experimental, crazy records. But at one point, he was like Engelbert in the 60s, this pop star. And Eng Engelbert went a different way, you know, it became more of this very Vegas thing. Vegas kind of guy, But his voice, though, at that time was just as good as anybody's, you know. It, it it really is, and, I mean, it's and still good actually. Yeah, like Quando, Quando. I had the greatest yeah. hits. Yeah, and I used to listen to that over and over and over again. Yeah, and then later on, when people were like flushing out their record collections and they were selling it at bargain, he yeah. has no. <clears throat> yeah, his records go for. Yeah, a buck. Well, uh, yeah. Well, most records. I mean, I go to the store down the street called. Not not. It's not called nostalgia. Start with it. It's near my house, but every record there's neurotica. Neurotica, yeah. So I walk by there and it's like, oh my god, are you kidding me? This is yeah. for a buck. And <laughs> yeah. so because one whatever, dude, it's not Fleet Foxes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, well, it's not I, a three <laughs> LP I Snoop Dogg. But I, I, I love, uh, like I love albums, bucks. you know. So it's yeah. great. And and whenever when they're a buck, there's some stuff I, you, you know, I'll take a chance on this thing, you know. But like I bought a record by Phoebe Snow recently. It's her first album. And she died a few years ago. And I always liked her voice as a kid, but I never mm -hmm. really had any of her stuff. Now her first album is like one of my all-time favorite albums ever, you know. And and that was just a buck at Neurotica, you know. And and so it's kind of sad. You see this graveyard of albums there, but yeah. there's so much great music. I was know? like 13. I remember going to Vinyl Museum, uh -huh. uh, which was an old Toronto institution worth yeah. mentioning I think yeah, on I podcast in spite of its local Peter Dunn's thing. Vinyl Museum yeah it was so crazy yeah. you know and uh, and I bought at the Buck album you know Born to Run and but, but you know what's so weird about Rollers. Vinyl Museum was the insert the inside sleeves of their vinyl was, was their own sleeve and it would always have a Christian quote Tons from the Bible yeah. <laughs> really yeah. which in an out burger similar in and out has like really yeah it has biblical tracts oh well they got was that those no I was that's Chick-fil-A Chick-fil-A right okay. no in and out is not that it's not sort of, I don't think it's particularly uh, political in the sense of hurting yeah, gay yeah, people yeah yeah right I think I, hey, do you know do you know the Westboro Baptist Church oh yeah they're they, good friends they, they, they made us they made a sign for, for me what? Oh, it said repent, repent. It had my face on it. That's a Ron Sexsmith shirt. I know. Well, I told him. I said, "Hey, yeah. I emailed them because this, 
this guy had, this guy started bugging me out because I had a song called God Loves Everyone. And, I love and, that song, by and, the way. And this, the leader of the That's Westboro my... Baptist Church, not Fred Phelps, but the new leader, whose name is Steve Drain is his name, which is his, no. he started hassling me on you on YouTube about the song and listen to this, you know, F enabler he would call me, you know, and all this stuff, right? And 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 I, and I and I sort of like I would hit back at him, and we had a, a few. It's scary. <laughs> it's scary to do that, though. Yeah, I know, because I didn't want to engage him. But then he would try to. But then um, he would try to backpedal sometimes. He goes, you know, actually, I think you've got some really good songs. And I'm like, I don't care what you think about my songs, you know, you know. And and and, um, and then and then one day I see I see he, they've made this uh, poster that said uh, amazing you know repent and as my face and I'm going I'm going hell and everything I tweeted it on my twi- Twitter page. oh amazing and uh, but I was it was kind of like a real proud moment in spite you know? of the fact you're going to burn forever yeah, yeah. you have some really talented <laughs> yeah I know talent right. I yeah. downloaded it, so I've got him. <laughs> but I thought that would be cool for a poster or a good... Or yeah. Oh, that would be the best. But or your Facebook be, splash page That's what you need to do. The next the next uh, 20 years of, yeah. of career just needs to be like only... No no photos, only just weird kind of like found yeah. things about you, you know? Ron Sexsmith Repents. That's and, the name of your next album. And he called me a degenerate. Like he's, he actually looked me up in my Wikipedia and found out that I was married before and I'm not married. You know, and oh, that's like a sin too. So I'm like a... Anyway, and meanwhile, his kids aren't even talking to him, you know. Cause yeah. They, you know. So anyway, it's just this crazy world out there. But uh, well, you wear that like a badge of honor. Well, I, like I had that we're to. There. Yeah, I like, I like it. it. But I think we were talking about Engelbert Humperdinck. Engelbert Humperdinck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's been a lot of interesting information. Yeah. To say, you know, we've got from, we went to Motorhead. We yeah. Talk, we talk, didn't. What else? We had something in the middle that was. Well, I you know I hesitated to bring up the obvious things that everybody brings up I with know, Ron right? in every article and every interview, nuts, right? and I but, must think that it does. Yeah. But now that you've dropped in this Engelbert thing, I yeah. had to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. But one thing I will say is um, you've done a lot of stuff with YouTube and you do all these covers now. And this, yeah, yeah. Some of them are like you hit it out of the park. Thanks. Uh, what are you going to do with the ones you, you score home runs with? Oh, nothing. It's just for me. Uh, like, I, again, it was Twitter. I was like, what do I do with Twitter? Everyone was like, oh, I had a great salad today or, you know, whatever. So I, I just was trying to think of um, content, you know. And, I, and, and the other thing I did on tw- uh, in my YouTube channel is I redid every one of my records acoustic versions, right? So I've done that, and then and then I it started with a thing called hotel covers, where um, when I was on the road on my last tour, I, every every time I was in a room, I would do a cover song, and um, and this year since I'm not wasn't touring that much, I started just doing it around my house. I noticed that, and, yeah. and it's usually just songs that I love. You know, I'm like playing a. Uh, you know what I did one by uh, Gene McClellan the other day. You know who wrote Snowbird, who's a great East Coast songwriter. Mm-hmm. I did an old Sonny James song. Like these are just songs I grew up with as a kid. I love some of them. I have to go on Google and get all the words. Oh, I, you know, but mostly it's there in my head. And I just figured out. That's cool. And uh, but I, you know, I did. I did a. The Chicago. I did a Led Zeppelin one. I did Chicago. Did Danzig. Do you get more hits for the Danzig? Zeppelin one? Dancing Queen. I did. Oh, no, no, no. I didn't do Dancing Queen. I did... Uh, Danzig. I, no, I did I did uh, Knowing Me, Knowing You. And, uh, <laughs> cool. But I do... Back, you know, all the, That's all, ABBA, right? ABBA, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I, I, every day it's like, oh, who am I going to do today? And, uh, you know... I, I did see that clip with you and Kim Mitchell trading off of Alex Webster. Yeah. I've, I've actually wanted to do uh, an acoustic version of one of his solo songs oh, which one oh we are no, no no not that one um it's um 
Now I'm gonna draw a blank. But I figured it out on on, not, on guitar. Not not uh, easy to tame. Yeah, easy to tame. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I figured that one out, mm-hmm. but I could never do it in front of him. Well, it was nerve wracking for me. I really did my. I mean, I knew that song, in any way, because it was like tattooed in my. Because I they were my favorite band when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. My favorite Canadian band. Max Webster. Max Webster, and um, so. And I'd met him a few times, and he knew I was a fan. I think he was a bit afraid of me. You know when you're you got an Uber fan. That, <laughs> yes. But, but then they asked me on the show, and uh, I and the other one I do words tour. I do, I do a lot of their songs, you know. And I even I love I love let go of the line. I know that's not his song, but I love like Terry Walk Terry Watkins mm-hmm. and stuff too. But um, so that was a big moment for me to sing it with him, and then he was harmonizing too. Yeah, it was an amazing yeah. moment because just knowing that obviously you're a super fan of his, yeah. you know this song. Yeah. What a lot of people don't know is um, minus the last record, mm-hmm. I've been doing this for years, okay. quietly. And I guess I'll tell everyone on this podcast since Kim Mitchell's been brought up. But I go, because he does his radio show for Q107 on the street. Oh. On Young Street. I Hard Rock that. Cafe, right? Yeah, at the Hard Rock Cafe. But they know they moved, though. Oh, that's probably why yeah. I didn't do it for the last album. Yeah, they're, they're now at the chorus building. But yeah, they used to be right there. They used to be right there. on. Yeah. So you could actually walk by yeah. and see Kim Mitchell yeah, of Max Webster. Yeah. yeah. Which I would always thought, like, isn't that annoying to you, Kim? Yeah. But it was great for me because I would, every time a record of ours was released, mm-hmm. I would quietly knock on the window and show him the, the album. Mm-hmm. He would come around during a commercial break. I would hand him the record <laughs> and I would leave. Yeah, yeah. And I, I could tell the, the, the last couple of times I did that, he wanted to talk a little more. Yeah, yeah. But I'm already just like too much of a fan. I just go, uh, here's a new record, Kim. Uh, <laughs> see you later. And I just, I, I exit the. Yeah. The street. So he's got the last few records up till below the belt, which right. is from 2010. Well, he, he, you know, obviously they can't really play me on that station. They played a snippet of whatever song I had out at the time, but um, but it was great that we talked. And so I don't. know, He's a class act. I can't yeah, he is, man. I, I really like him. Yeah. I, I haven't know. met him. I've only handed him records. Well, you should meet him. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's time. It's time, man. Time. Now, but if you're looking for him now, go to the chorus building and hand him your record. Oh, I worked at, I was ushering at your show at Massey Hall. That was fun. You were an usher there, so. I was an usher at Massey. Did you know Kip Harness? He used to Kip be. Kip Harness, no. He's I, one of my favorite songwriters, but he was an usher for a brief uh, period. I actually there. remember, I met you once and we were talking about that. Now that I'm getting a flashback. Yeah. But no, he worked there before uh, I was there. Over. Yeah, I, I and uh, and so I saw that Massey Hall show, which was What, the first, the first one? Yeah, I did it. Th- I'm gonna play there in May, actually. I must have been. How many times did you play there now? This twice? will be my fourth. This was, okay, so it was probably the sec- first second. or second one. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, I remember being like, "Cool." Well, I, I was just. That's my favorite. I just saw like, I just saw Lightfoot. Well, I go see Lightfoot every year, but I saw the Cat Stevens there, and I how saw, was Lightfoot? Well, you know, I I I love Lightfoot. So yeah. I mean, you know, he's a '76. So his his, yeah. his voice is a bit frazzled a bit you know but uh, it's still gored you know that was what i loved about the shows was like because i would see every few years you know that he'd come out and the band would be playing always slightly quieter you know like well he has to he has to because um he can't really project like he used to yeah but i would kind of find that more like fragile in a good way you know like it would change a song like that shadow song with like yeah well this 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 show was funny because the first set was a bit uh, you know, shambolic, right? Like there were mistakes and the, and but they he kind of rallied. He came back the second set 
really strong, mm -hmm. you know, and he changed his jacket and he came out and <laughs> by the end of the show, everybody's on their feet and stuff. But yeah, I mean, I, I've been seeing him since the eighties and, and it's been interesting to see not just how his voice changed, but his appearance and everything, yeah. you know, but everyone's getting older, right? It's demeanor, been, but yeah. apparently he's actually, you know, quite, uh, you know, comparably jovial. Or in the last few years, you know. Well, he he, he was a, a bad times. drunk, I think, yeah. for a long time, when, and a mean kind of a, yeah. a mean drunk, I think. But yeah. he's a very um, yeah, he's a very likable. He's mellowed out a lot. I love his music yeah. so much; it's crazy. I do. I like yeah. him too. Um, yeah. So anyway, I go to that every year, but I love that's my f f favorite venue. You it know? is an incredible so, place. It's a cr incredible. Yeah. You get to play it. Well, it yeah. took me long. I when I was a courier. Um, I, you know, I work downtown, so I pat, uh, and I always had my eye on it, you know, like, oh, I'm going to get there someday, you know, mm -hmm. it, you know, I, I, I thought that was sort of attainable, like, you know, the big, like, I played Royal Albert Hall a couple years ago, and yeah, then, and that's, I mean, I've, that's opened, huge. I've opened for people there, but I never in my wildest dreams thought I'd headline there, so that blew my mind. Playing Massey Hall, I always felt, yeah, I think I, I'm going to get this. This feels right. This yeah. feels like it should have happened. Yeah, so it finally happened, and that was cool. And I'm really, and I haven't been there since 2008 or something, so mm -hmm. it's been a while, so I'm looking forward to So this back. is in conjunction with the new the, album the new being album. released. That's great. Wow. Yeah, so Ron, we got to have you back. Man. Okay. Yeah. This is just too... Now I know where you live. It's easy, yeah. so... <laughs> it's too good to, yeah. to not have you back on. Yeah, well, I'll come back for sure. Do it again. Sometime. Yeah. So we're we're gonna I'm gonna keep that part on the podcast. So we're gonna just, hold you to it oh, as a yeah, verbal yeah. contract. No, Another, I'll, I'll come back. Yeah. Ron, it was great to have you on. Thanks. Sir. We're gonna do it again. The Tango yes. Joe's podcast Thanks is sponsored by Twitter. Oh, it is. No. Oh, I mean, we, we're trying. Spank to sponsored by social media. Engelbert Humperdinck. And Engelbert Humperdinck. And, and please tell Engelbert I'm yeah. a huge fan. Oh, will. I will. Maybe he'll do the show. He just. Oh. Hey, all right. Well, all right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ron. Yeah. Let's get them. Let the bell